this morning. Don't shake hands because you might get the coronavirus. <laughs> Wear a mask. Wear a mask. <laughs> you are the word at the Heaven glory. 
this morning. Father, we come before you in honor and in awe 
of your wonderful name and your beautiful name and your powerful name. And we thank you for all that means to us, your grace and your mercy and your unconditional love. We thank you. We bask in it this morning. We pray that you would prepare our hearts for the message today, that you would change us. And we'll give you all the praise and the honor and the glory in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you can be seated. We are so glad you could join us this morning. I told the last two services I am incredibly awkward, so bear with me as I give you a couple of announcements. Um, right now would be a great time to check into Facebook, pull out your phones, and let everyone know where you're worshiping this morning. Um, like I said in the 9 o'clock service, you really don't realize the impact that just a simple check into Facebook could really have on somebody's life. And, you know, like uh, my grandma always says, you could get up to heaven one day and someone, like your friend is there, and they're going to be like, hey, you checked into Facebook that one time and that's why I got saved. You never know. And, you know, the, yeah, that's it. Like I said, I'm awkward. So next announcement, um, we're going to take our tithes and offering this next um, song. So the buckets are going to come by and you don't have to feel obligated to give if you're a guest with us this morning. And there are many ways that you can give. Um, we have the buckets, like I said, we have our app, which is a really cool way to give and we can, you can give online. Um, and we also, as you walked in, you got a connection card. Um, so what that is, is basically, um, if you can give us a little bit of information about yourself and um, if you have any questions or prayer requests, you can write those down and we will answer those for you, which is a really cool thing. I literally have been coming here my whole life and I just found out about that yesterday. So I think it's a cool thing that we do. Um, and the last thing is that I'm gonna say, um, we have, if you're a first time guest with us this morning, as you walked in, you probably saw this table out there. We would love to talk to you and get to know you. If you stop by this table, there's a little gift you can receive too. And we are so grateful and glad that you chose to be with us this morning. Um, and watch this. What you see there in that video is uh, service members who have been deployed across the world who are receiving care packages through an organization called Blue Star Moms. And they are just founded out of a group of mothers who whose children were obviously deployed and they wanted to do something because as we've heard before, when you're over there, you feel lonely and you feel like you've been forgotten and you receive that care package and it just, it can just change a service member's life. So we want to be part of that. And we have some boxes located out in the, um, in the lobby there, the blue boxes, along with a list of supplies um, to send different types of care package items in that. You can get everything on that list if you want to, or you can get one item off of that list and just bring it back and throw it in the box. It doesn't really matter how much or how little that you get. Just um, be part of that because we want to send these people um, as much love as we possibly can. And you can, I think you can do cards and everything like that as well. And those Blue Star Moms will take all that stuff and put them in care packages and send them on their way. And like Gracie said, with those Facebook check-ins, you never know what this little thing could do for someone's life to change it. So our shows are going to come in just a few moments. 
And as the baskets pass, feel free to stand and join us as we continue to worship.
Good evening. Wasn't that a beautiful spirit that we had right there? I asked Gracie, what's a song that really speaks to you from your heart? I texted her that, and she sent me a couple of songs, and I listened to them, and I said, let's do that one. What a beautiful spirit. And that was so pure and so straight from her, her heart. Well, uh, when Jesus left, I don't know if you've read that part in the Bible, but he was here on earth, and then he was crucified, and he was resurrected. But at one point, he was with his disciples, and he said, I've got to leave you now. And uh, when he decided to go back up to heaven, which, by the way, he's there right now preparing a place for anyone that will trust in him. Isn't that exciting? And I hope that you can say that's you because you're, you've placed your trust in him. But that's what he, he did uh, he said, I've got to go back and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he left them with some parting words. And he, he wanted them with these parting words to remember and to carry forward what was most important. And so he's kind of my example in everything that I do. And so Buddy and I are in these last few weeks that we're with you here in this way, uh, we are sharing some parting words with you. Buddy did that last week, and we want to share what's really important to us that you would remember and carry forward long after we're gone. And uh, so I had to think, I had to think, how in the world do you summarize that, right? How do you take 25 years and say, well, this is what's most important to me. Well, my grandkids and I have these really weird conversations sometimes. And like I asked Jackson, I said, how, how do you think you'll die? Or how do you not want to die? That's what I'm talking about, weird conversations. But we talk about those kinds of things. So I, I was thinking, what would be the last words if I just had a couple of moments right before I die on my deathbed? What is it that I would want to say to my grandkids? That's pretty awesome, isn't it? <laughs> and I thought, well, here it is. Well, first of all, I thought, what would I want on my epitaph? Have you ever thought of that? You have? What, what, Rini? Faithful to the end. What about you, Christine? <laughs> you don't know? You know what mine would be? At least she tried. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> At least she tried. She might have blown it a bunch of times. But at least she tried. She was in the game, right? Okay, well, here's what I think I would say to my grandkids. If I'm on my deathbed and there's only one thing I want them to remember me by, and it's this. Keep your eyes on Jesus no matter what. And when you don't understand why things are happening the way that they do, stay really, really close to Jesus anyway. When things don't make sense, and as I was preparing this, I ran across a testimony by Lauren Daigle. She's the one that sings those songs that are pretty incredible, and Peyton just pulls them off like crazy, and I just love to hear them, and I play them over and over. But she shared her little testimony, and it really made an impact on me because she said that her grandfather was her best friend. And um, could you turn a little bit of echo down for me, Eric? I hate to hear myself bang around. Um, and she said her grandfather's her best friend, and he was always the one when she was a little girl 
that he'd say, come on out here, Lauren, and sing. You know how you have to do that. Play the piano or sing for the relatives. <laughs> and so he would do that with her. And, and she'd go, oh, Grandpa. And he'd say, Lauren, God gave you that gift, and you need to share it with other people. And so they grew up, and she said he was her best friend, and he was her encourager, and he was the one that always was saying, Lauren, you got to do this music thing. And she said three days before her first record came out, he died. And she said, God, why? Why after all this time that he just wanted that for me, he didn't even get to know that happened. And it was really empowering to me because there are things, it doesn't matter what age you are, there are things that happen and you say, God, why? I mean, just in the last several months, there have been things that I'm saying, God, what's the deal? Why? Well, you know, there are some things that we will never know the why, but what I'd want to tell my grandkids is, you stay close to Jesus anyway. You stay close to Jesus anyway. But those are my last words. And as I was preparing this, parting words to you, I thought, yeah, I've got some parting, word, some parting words, but in reality, I want God's parting words. Because what matters to God is what matters to me. I mean, really. Really, what matters to God, and what matters to God? Relationships. Pretty simple. Relationships. You see, from the beginning of this God story to the end, all it's about is love connections. A vertical love connection with him. He, we are his favorite creation. I mean, he created this whole earth. He created the moon and the stars, and he created the animals, and he created everything on this earth. But his favorite creation are his sons and daughters, his children, us. And he wants to be connected to us. And so he made a way, and he made a way through Jesus. And so that's a love connection. We have this vertical love connection, but we also have this horizontal, these earthly connections that he planned too, that we're not complete, we're not whole, unless we have earthly connections as well. And he planned it so that connection is what would give us meaning and purpose in life. It's all about relationship. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about relationship. That's what matters to God. Nothing is more important to him than relationship. So I thought, you know what? Jesus can summarize parting words for me better than I can. And here it is. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The, all the law, the Old Testament, all the prophets, all the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments, all of that hangs on these two commandments. So in other words, Jesus said, okay, the Old Testament might be kind of deep and it might be kind of, you know, those 10 commandments, try to follow that all along. But he said, we're going to boil it right down to two commandments, to love God and to love yourself and to love other people. 
Relationship. It's all about relationship. And I think my parting words to you are that. If you remember anything about me, anything about what, the, what God says, what the Bible says, that you remember that it's all about relationship. Because you see, relationship is God's tool to transform and to restore us into being healed and whole. Now, we live in a world that's very self-help. I mean, you go to the bookstore and you'll see racks and racks and racks of self-help books. You don't even have to go to the bookstore. You can go to YouTube. And you can find all kinds of self. There are gurus out the gurus, <laughs> out the yin-yang. I mean, everything is about self-help. And what that means, really, is that people are just trying to have a better self. They're just trying to be healthier. They're trying to be self-actualized at the top of the level of self-actualization. They're just trying to be a good person. But that is not God's design. God's design is to transform us, to change us from the inside out. And how does he do that? Well, first, he says, we've got to have a relationship with God right? That first commandment says, love God with all of your heart. Put him first in everything you do. Put him first in your family relationship. Put him first in your home. Put him first in your finances. We teach you about tithing. We've taught you for years and years and years. Put God first in your life. Seek him first, and then all of the other things will be added, added unto you. And, and what I've found in the church is that Christians get this one pretty well. Because when we come, we nurture that vertical relationship with God, and we're connected to Jesus Christ, and Christians don't have too much trouble with that one, because we come and we listen, and we just want to know how to grow closer to, to God. But that's only the first one. It gets a bit tougher when we get into that second one. You know why? Because we have to deal with people, right? The second one is, a relationship with yourself. Now, this is another thing that doesn't get talked about a whole lot in the church because we've always labeled loving yourself with being selfish. Not true at all. God says that if you're going to be able to love other people, you first need to know how to have healthy self-love. Well, what does that look like? Well, God lays it out pretty clear for us, that we're supposed to have the same attitude about ourselves as Jesus had about himself. Because just from even a mental health standpoint or from a biblical standpoint, the way that we view ourselves will determine how we treat other people. And so when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, he was saying, you, you need to love yourself because that's a component in how you're going to love other people. And this is what it says in Philippians about how Jesus saw himself, that we're supposed to have the same attitude that he had. And though he was God, he didn't think of equality, let me find where I'm at, with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his privileges he took the humble position, and he was born as a human being. Imagine that. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. Well, what does that mean? Humility. Another word that I think is misunderstood many times, because the definition, my definition of humility is having an accurate picture of yourself, because Jesus did. He didn't hide his weakness. We've seen Jesus when he was tempted 
He was tempted right before he went to the cross to get up and leave. He said, Father, take this away from me. He was tempted throughout his life because he was a human being. He didn't hide that in the secret place, as we tend to do many times in church. We don't want people to know what our weaknesses are. But yet the Bible says that it's in our weakness that he's made strong. Jesus didn't hide his weakness. Jesus had a lot of status but it's not where he placed his value. He was the son of God, yet he gave up all of his privileges and rights. We have a lot of rights and privileges in this country, but do we insist on having our rights? Well, Jesus didn't. I mean, that's where a lot of our arguments get in our culture is we're insisting that I'm right. Well, Jesus didn't do that. He was the son of God, and he didn't insist on his rights and his privileges. He gave that up. He didn't place his value in education, even though he was all-knowing. I mean, he was a rabbi, but he was also God, and he was all-knowing, but he didn't place his value in that. He didn't place his value in his bank account or his money. He owned the cattle on a thousand hills, but he didn't place his value in that. He was aligned in a relationship with God. And therefore, he saw when he lived this way and he had that attitude, he saw all people of equal value. Not equality. I'm not, he saw all people with equal value. Not by their status or their house or their car. But he saw people in their own, in, with their value. And he lived a life of obedience, aligned with God. He was true to himself, and he loved people. Now, last week, Buddy uh, began the series of parting words, and his parting words were this. He said, God loves nobody. And it was an incredible amount of feedback that I heard about that message, not only at the end of the services when I saw people really vulnerably coming before the Lord, but also just feedback from the week. And and I just really admired that. And I I listened to to Buddy, and he he told his journey from, from this place of a very poor, inaccurate view of himself that he learned as a child to this healthier place of self-love. And I've seen this firsthand because I've been with him for a long, long time. Um, In March, 45 years. So I've been on that journey too. Yeah, that deserves a hand. (laughs) But I've watched this transformation. And I heard him speak last week. And and I've seen him being transformed, not by a self-help book, Not by uh, trying to be a better person, but through transformation, through his relationship committed to Jesus Christ, and through his marriage, because that's the number one relationship that God uses to transform our earthly relationships. And I've seen him change with his family. And what I know about Buddy now is that he sees himself much more accurately than he ever had. And he has has more of a self-love, an accurate picture of who he is. Would he say that he's arrived? Absolutely not. None of us have. But i got to tell you what I respected about Buddy last week. 
and I think that many of you have respected him for this as well through the years, is because of his honesty, because of his transparency, because of his vulnerability to get up here before you and talk to you about the things that have been very difficult for him in his life. And, and just how raw and real that he was. That's rare in the church world. You realize that, right? That's rare. And that's why so many people have gravitated to Salem Fields Community Church. And that has that is what the mark of a trustworthy person. Somebody that can be real and vulnerable. It's what we look for in relationships. That's loving ourselves. And then we get into this next one. That's probably the most difficult and gritty that we can even think about. And it's loving other people. Especially those that are unlovable. That really great honor. Because the measure of our love is not with that sweet little grandchild that I just love and adore. No, it's not. That's not the measure of my love. The measure of my love is with that person that has not been so kind to me or has said bad things about me. How do I respond to that person? This is where it gets really intense and difficult because trust is the foundation of every relationship. Trust. But because we've connected with other people, with imperfect people, and we live in this imperfect uh, world and circumstances, our trust, every single one of us at some point, has had our trust broken. And the foundation of our relationships can crack. And I got to tell you, we... <laughs> It's amazing to me how we spend most of our life asking, who can I trust? I mean, I got burned over there, but who can I trust? I was preparing this message, and I got a call right on my computer, and it was from a young woman outside, uh, uh, outside of Virginia, clear across a long ways away in another state. And she said, I just need to talk to you just for a few moments. And this is a young woman that had been in an abusive marriage, and, of course, she was a Christian when she was taught that she wasn't supposed to get out of marriage. And so she stayed in that marriage for a long, long time. And she said, I finally, I finally was able to, to break that abuse and get out of that. And she said, now I have another relationship. And I really don't know how to trust. And I hear that quite often when we've had these really difficult relationships. And relationship has been broken. And she was saying, I don't know how to trust again. And we've got a culture out there that's asking the same thing, especially young people. I work with young people quite often. I'm talking with 20-year-olds, 20, 20 to 30-year-olds, and even younger, some 18, 19-year-olds. Uh, I, I talk to them quite often, and they're struggling in relationship. They don't know how to do relationship because they don't know how to trust. And, you know, then you go to Tinder and you swipe right, and, and there's social media that's giving all kinds of... I mean, it's harder and harder and harder in this culture for young people to trust. Yet trust is the foundation of every relationship. And they, we have broken trust. Parents divorce, it breaks trust. Pastors fall, it breaks trust. Spouses have affairs. Those we trusted betray us. And what breaks trust? Well, we violate the relational building blocks 
and we devalue relationships. Has anyone here ever felt betrayed? How about humiliated? How about devalued? Every single one of us, honestly. Every single one of us. And what happened there is that our trust was broken and, it, and, and the relational building blocks that build trust have been violated. And our, our relationships have been devalued because there's been secrecy or there's been exclusion or there's been manipulation or there's been control. And I'm telling you, I know this. The world is groaning to know who can I trust? And it's straining to find truth. And the question is, can you even find that in church anymore? How do you know who to trust? So I Googled it. I mean, if you don't have an answer, you just Google it, right? I Googled it, and guess what I found? All these people came up. Dr. Charles Stanley, Beast Mode Hip Hop, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Hillsong, and then my favorite right here in the right-hand corner, Silk the Shocker. And I thought, Silk the Shocker, I don't know who that is, and I'm a little bit afraid of him because of what he's going to be saying, but I listened to it. And I got a little clip for you from Silk the Shocker. Listen to this. Who can you trust? Who can you trust? So watch your back. Who can you trust when the enemies come scrap? Hey. Who cannot trust? Who cannot trust? And it's time to breathe. Now, I'm not promoting that song. <laughs> don't be going and listening to it because I, I told Jamie, I said, I don't want you to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> uh, Jamie knows how to do that. But see, he's asking a legitimate question. Who can I trust? Because his trust has been shaken, has been, has, there's been betrayal. You see, we need to be careful about who we choose to follow and who we choose to connect with. People are imperfect. Now, I'm a professional counselor, and I've heard secrets of people for many, many years. I've been doing this for about 20, 27 years as a confidential professional counselor. And I hear those secrets that people are keeping. I hear the behind-the-scenes activities that they have in their private lives. I've heard confessions of people who have done some really terrible things. I've seen pastors fall. I've heard their addictions that nobody knows about. I've heard the things that are going on in their private life. I've even seen pastors take their own lives because of depression. Now, there was a point in time where I was working in the contemporary Christian music industry. I was a professional counselor listening to people that were on a big stage internationally. And I was along so that I could be a professional counselor and hear. And I got to tell you, after I heard some of those things, I almost left the faith. It wore me down because of the, di the difference between what their public persona was and their private lives.
Who can I trust? Is it just the Christian that is coming along? And here's what I know. I listen to a lot of young people and young adults that are raised in Christian homes, and they're struggling, and they're cynical about the hypocrisy that they've seen in homes, and especially in churches, and they lose trust in people, and then they transfer that to God, and then they miss Jesus, and I got to tell you, that makes me cry. It makes me so sad. And I've had to ask, what's the answer to that? A young man sent this quote to me, texted it to me, a young man that I, that I talk with and I, I try to help through some difficult times. And he, he sent this to me from Brenda Manning from the Ragamuffin Gospel. It's a good book if you want to read it. It says this, it says, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And people are missing Jesus every day because of hypocrisy. See, life might not be so difficult if God just wouldn't have given us this desire to be connected in relationship, but he did. And he did that for a reason. Yet relationships are God's tool to bring about his purpose and meaning in our life. And sometimes that tool, that relationship, feels like a chainsaw. Why? Because relationship is what God uses to transform us. And oftentimes, as he's chiseling away at us to make us look more like Jesus, and he hits those weaknesses in us, it hurts. And so many times, even as believers, we don't want to go there. We don't want to look at that. Yet it's the very thing that will create hypocrisy in our lives. Because he uses relationships to restore us back into the person that he designed us to be, to have purpose and meaning in this world. So why is it important to prioritize our relationships with God, with ourselves, and with others. Because building healthy relationships above everything else, above everything else, how we treat people matters to God. It matters to God. So what does the Bible say? about trusting other people. Let's look at that. I, I looked that up too. I found a hundred verses, and I'm only going to give you a couple. First of all, here it is. Put no trust in a neighbor. Have no confidence in a friend. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. Boy, that's not very encouraging, is it? <laughs> But it says we can't trust. Let's look at the next one. It says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't even lean to your own understanding. You can't even trust yourself. Because the Bible says that our own hearts deceive us. Who can I trust? Can't trust myself can't trust the people around me. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the person who trusts in the man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Blessed 
is the person who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots from the stream and does not fear when heat comes. The heart is deceitful. Who can I trust? What's the Bible saying? What is God saying to us here about trusting people? We're to trust God and love people. But don't we get that turned around? In our relationships, don't we want to trust people? Don't we put our trust in people, the very ones that will betray us and let us down? But yet God calls us in that commandment to love one another, to love myself and to love other people. But does that mean then that I open myself to being betrayed, to being humiliated, to being hurt? Wow, God, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Why would you call us into that kind of relationship? Well, God makes a way. Here's what breaks trust, betrayal and secrecy and division and control and manipulation and religious rules. But what builds trust? What diffuses hypocrisy? Well, here it is. It's honesty. It's transparency. And you know what I find? I find all truth is God's truth, whether it's found out there in the world or it's found here in the church. All truth is God's truth. And the only truth that we can completely trust is when we read it in the Bible. But what I find is that there are people out there, even Plato and Socrates, that many, many people have found truth that have not confessed Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I was watching this, and I'm not promoting this show either, but I found a clip that was so profound to me that blew me away that these writers could really capture what the world is longing for. Watch this. Yes, well, America has clearly connected to that message. Why do you think that is? You know, I think America is tired of Twitter fighting. Mm. It's ignorant, and it's contributing to the dumbing down of our country. Parties have created a good side and a bad side for their own purposes. And once you villainize someone, there is nothing left to do but go to war with them. I know that you work at a conservative news outlet. What side of that argument do you personally fall on? Um, the human side. What, what does that mean? It means I see both sides. But in leadership, Decisions have to be made. You can't just have empathy for everybody and do nothing. Well, say you're president. What do you do? Well, open or close the coal mine? I'm just here to deliver the news to America. That's, that's all I ever wanted to do. So you're a diehard reporter. I like to think that I am, yes. The truth matters to me. What would you say to the idea that it's a reporter's sacred creed to never let the story become about them. I would say I agree with that. And yet this has become about you. As I said before, I didn't know I was being filmed. This wasn't part of my live coverage. Though there could be some cynical people who might think that that was completely set up. To what end? You're here. Well, there are some non-cynical people, which I believe is most people, that believe the news is changing. And the news is changing 
because the people who delivered the news, who, who showed themselves as honest and decent and trustworthy, have in quite a few cases now proved themselves to be untruthful. And as a result, I think people are wanting more transparency in journalism. I think they want to know the person behind the facade. I think they want to trust that the person that is telling them the truth about the world is an honest person. Even secular writers get how important being honest and transparent really is. And it's a rare commodity in our world. 25 years ago, we were in full-time ministry for five years. And we smacked up against church politics and religious rules. And we had had enough. And we were headed out of ministry. Our trust had been broken, our family was broken, and we needed healing and wholeness. And we didn't feel like church was the place for us to find that because of what had happened. It didn't seem like the place. But God intervened in our life. There's this little church in Fredericksburg, had about 60 people, and had beautiful people there. And they asked us to lead. And we hesitated, our family, it was four of us. We hesitated, but we prayed and we knew we needed to obey. And then we met with that board and we were very honest and we were transparent. And we said, we're broken. I don't think you want us. And we told them about our struggles and what we had just come through. And I believe with all of my heart that that captured God's imagination. Because here's what I know. God uses broken people. He uses people who have been burned. He uses people who have lost trust, but commit to being restored in a relationship with him. I knew the only way that I'd be part of a church again was for it to be a place where people could be honest and real and transparent and raw and take off church face and not hide, but be willing to share weaknesses and strengths. That's the kind of place I wanted to be where I wouldn't be judged. So that's the way that Buddy and I led. What you see is what you get. And we tried to make our private life get, give us credibility for what we did in public and we continued to live that kind. All of our messiness, all of our failures, all of our charm, we just tried to be real. And I think people were drawn to that. Just like I think the, the world is longing to find a place to say, where can I just be real? Where can I just be me? And that has never changed in Buddy and I. And others chose to live that way too. I just got an email this week from a board member. And he said to me, we've been going to this church for a long time and the thing that really drew us here was the transparency and the authenticity. It's rare. 
in church world. And that captured their little family. And I've watched them grow and change and be transformed in a place where they could just be real. Buddy and I allowed you to see that marriage is hard. It's a struggle. But we've chosen to see it through for better or for worse. Marriages have been saved here because we not only preached, but we lived out and we showed you and other people how to take divorce off the table. How just to say, you know what, this is better for worse, let's just push through and let's just make this thing happen. And the only way that you can do that, the only way is giving witness to the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no way that the two of us could have conjured up 45 years. It's a witness. The parting words of Jesus when he went up, be a witness for me in this world. It's a witness of his power. You see, rules can justify divorce, but we've been honest to show you that relationships are hard, but they're worth fighting for. They're worth fighting for, and to never give up, do whatever it takes to do what matters to God. And that's to have intact, restored relationships. And today, today, our family has expanded. We've added three to our family since 25 years ago, and we're still intact, and our relationships are richer and better than ever. Have we struggled? Absolutely, of course, we have, because we're human but we give God all the glory. And we give each other grace and permission to doubt, even the youngest ones, permission to, to develop their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But we're honest, and we have honest conversations. Our, on, our conversations, our conviction as leaders has been to be honest and transparent and to model relationship, and we've never wanted you to place your trust in buddy and gay, never because we're fallible, because we mess up, because it, we're messy at times. Never, we, we've, it's, you know why, because you watched. We're just one of you. We're just like you. But what we've always done is pointed people to the one that you can put all of your trust in. That's Jesus. I believe that honesty and transparency captures God's imagination. And we have seen miracle after miracle after miracle in this 25 years. This is one we're sitting in that God did. And as a result, over these 25 years, our family and us here at Salem Field have been transformed. So what captures God's imagination? It's this. Honesty. Broken people, even in your leaders. Transparency. Risk. That's faith. Obedience. And relationship.
What's the value of transparency? Well, it's freedom in our spirit. A pillow is never softer than when we're free and clear. And our private life matches our public life. It builds trust and healthy relationships. That's what matters to God. What's the value of honesty? Well, it diffuses hypocrisy. When we're honest, we're not being a hypocrite. And it builds a firm foundation for healthy relationships. And you know what happens? We become a trustworthy person. Instead of expecting and requiring everyone to be everyone else to be trustworthy, we become trustworthy. Here's what I know. Jesus valued relationships. The two commandments that he left us with, that he gives us, that we're to live by in this New Testament age is to love God, to love ourselves, 
to love others. And he gives a warning. He valued relationships over rules. And he gives a very strong warning. You see that in the Bible all of the time to the Pharisees. He got ticked off. He got angry. He never sinned in his anger. But he got ticked off at the people that were just following the rules and trying to look good from the outside in. But yet they had all kinds of other stuff going on in their lives. Honesty diffuses hypocrisy. The number one reason that young people leave the faith is hypocrisy. Because we're not being honest. If we really care about the next generation, we'll be having these honest conversations. I had the most incredible conversation with my granddaughter, Gracie, as she rode in the car with me to my house the other night. And I asked her if I could tell you about this because it was pretty profound for me. And we were talking about anger and how when I was growing up, I didn't really, I didn't have permission to express my anger. And she was talking to me about how she writes songs. She's a singer-songwriter and she writes songs. And she said by the time she starts, and she said there's been things that have been going on that I'm really not able to talk about to anybody or to express. But she said from the first time I begin that song, by the time I finish it, kind of worked it out. And I said, I know, Gracie, I didn't learn how to do my anger as a girl when I was young. I just kind of stuffed it. And I said, I got to be honest with you, Gracie, girl, my little granddaughter. I have sinned in my anger. And she said, I know, I have too. Now there is an honest conversation. We need to be having honest conversations. To be trustworthy to be honest and transparent and messy and people that need mercy and grace and doing all that we can to restore relationships and to be restored. And when conflict happens, not to avoid it, but to commit, to work together in, in relationship with one another to resolve that conflict because that shows the power of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, shows us how to do that. And here it is. I just want to share some of God's word with you about how to handle all of this relationship stuff. It says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written. I've heard this when I was a kid. Jody heard this when she was a kid. I'm sure Gracie hears it as she's when she was a kid. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'll repay. You don't need to get back. You just become a trustworthy person. The next one says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And it says, I can do all things through Christ, through my relationship with Christ, because he's the one that is my strength in my weakness so that I can look more like Jesus. And it says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, if anyone doesn't take care and pay attention to the relationships and the connections that God has placed in your life, and especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith, and it's worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty powerful there. And it says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Let me tell you something. When you're going to be betrayed, 
You will be humiliated. I have been. You have been. I've been devalued. And that will happen in our earthly relationships. But you know what? That puts us in really good company. You know who else was humiliated and devalued and betrayed? Jesus. Puts us in good company. Jesus was all of that. And he was crushed like grapes. And that's what it takes sometimes for us to be crushed so that the finest wine can flow out of us. Yet he still fulfilled his purpose on earth. No excuses. I want to be like Jesus. And I want to be aligned with what matters to God. And what matters to God? One thing. Relationships. With him, with ourselves, and with others. Trust God. Love people. Remember, you're a people too. Let's stand together and worship. Spring new wine. 
church has never been Buddy and Gay's church. It's God's church. And our prayer for this place is that there will be new wine that's pressed out of a crushing. And our prayer is for this place and for you as a people, though we may not be involved with that whole process at the same time, God has called you to pray and to be the trustworthy person that believes that God can use you to carry on his kingdom. I'm looking forward to the new wine that, that God's going to pour out of me. I don't have any idea what that's going to look like, but I know he will. And I know that it's not age dependent. It's not gender or race or anything dependent. It's a life journey dependent in relationship with him and a commitment to earthly relationships to restore Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your spirit, for your words, for your promises that we get to have here. Father, first I pray for Salem Fields Community Church. This is your church. Buddy and I, we were just stewards for a, a period of time, a very short period of time in eternity standards. But God, we came here with nothing and what you've done 
in our lives has been incredible. Transformation has happened. You've been faithful to us. We've seen miracles happen before our very eyes. We've seen your hand and God, even in those times when we don't understand why some things happen, God, we still know you're at work. And so Father, I pray that you'll continue to work in each one of us, that we'll take seriously our relationship with you and seriously with those broken relationships that we may have, maybe even brokenness within ourselves, Lord, to reconnect. So if there's anyone here tonight that doesn't have that relationship with Jesus Christ, I would, I would encourage you to invite him into your life. And all you have to do is just ask him to come into your life and to thank him for what he's done for us in relationship. And I would encourage you as well, if there's a broken relationship or if there's a strain in a relationship somewhere in, in your earthly relationships, or if, like last week, Buddy testified, you don't have a good image of yourself or that there needs to be some healing there that, that you would ask God and enter into those relationships and do whatever it takes that matters to God, and that's to restore, to be restored back to the original design that he created for each one of us. And so, Father, thank you so much for what you've done here tonight, even in my life. Father, we thank you for each person here, and I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to walk with us and talk with us and that your Holy Spirit would just abound. God, we pray all of these things in your precious name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.